lack of resources for women entrepreneurs that really made sense to them in terms of how they wanted to start their businesses and run their businesses. So there's a lot of information available out there, if you will. Um, not all of it is digestible when it comes to financial element, and not all of it is really targeted towards women in terms of how they want to build their business and potentially turn it into some sort of a legacy. Hey friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another wonderful week here on the show where we're going to be learning all about profitability. Before we dive into today's amazing conversation, I want to remind you about the Business Builders Membership Program that is still open for enrollment over at girlmeansbusiness.com. Business Builders is the monthly digital subscription service that provides you with marketing kits created for busy entrepreneurs. So each month you get a new kit added to your library that centers around a new topic related to building a business. It's marketing, it's advertising, it's social media, it's all the things that you need to create a strong foundation for your business. Inside each kit, you get video trainings, easy to use templates, hands-on workbooks, social media captions done for you, downloadable guides, monthly stock images, action plans, and so much more. You also get access to the Facebook community where you get monthly Q&A sessions, one-on-one coaching calls, and extra bonus material added regularly. It's a great way to grow your business or start a brand new one. And it's only $27 a month. That's an amazing deal considering that not only do you get new content each month, but as soon as you sign up, you have access to all of the content that has been released prior to the time you sign up. That means if you sign up today, you're going to have access to multiple kits already loaded into your library. So you're not starting off with just one kit. You're going to have an entire toolbox of tools ready to go at your fingertips. All you have to do to sign up is head over to girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business builders or click the link in the show notes and fill out the form today. I can't wait to see you inside our community and start growing your dream business. All right, guys, today I am chatting with Jennifer Peak of the Peak Advisory Group, and we are talking all things money and profitability. She's going to walk us through what it means to be profitable, how to grow your business and finances, and we're just chatting about things that sometimes are hard to talk about. It's not always easy to talk about money and wanting to make money. You feel like you're being greedy. You feel like you're kind of sleazy by saying, I want to make money, but we're all in business to make money. So why not talk about it? And Jennifer makes it so easy because she understands female entrepreneurs. That is solely who she works with. That's what she focuses on. And so having this conversation with her was a breeze. And I can't wait for you to listen to it. So let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Jennifer Peak. Hey guys. All right. I am here with Jennifer Peak. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Me as well. Awesome. Well, let's get started and tell everybody where, like, who you are, what you do, and how you got into the industry that you are in today. 
Sure. So my name is Jennifer Peak. Um, I have a financial consulting company called Peak Advisory Group. And we specialize in working with women business owners, entrepreneurs, mostly um, smaller businesses, largely. And we are our two big things that we focus on with our business owner clients are um, helping them understand their profitability and where it's coming from, how to improve it, and then what that means to their overall business value. Uh, I've had my company for about 10 years and started it straight out of um, corporate. So I was in big corporate America for a good 20 years and then started this company when I got done with that part of my professional life. I, I did not have this company as a side hustle before I started it. Um, I did have a small website business while I was in corporate that I was doing on the side and um, decided to, to take a different turn once I left corporate. But a lot of what I did in my corporate career is the skill sets and the knowledge that I've brought into the company that I have now, just doing it on a much different scale for different types of businesses. Awesome. So what made you decide to kind of focus on like the female run businesses as opposed to just business in general? Um, so there was a couple of things. One, I, I'm a female business owner and I have an all female team. A and then the, the other part of it was that I saw a real lack of, um, resources for women entrepreneurs that really made sense to them in terms of how they wanted to start their businesses and run their businesses. So there's a lot of information available um, out there, if you will. Um, not all of it is digestible when it comes to financial elements. Um, and not all of it is really targeted towards women in terms of how they want to build their business and potentially turn it into some sort of a legacy business. Yeah, no, that's so true. Cause I know for me, when I was starting my business, I mean, I felt like all the resources I was finding online were really confusing and, hard to understand. And there was a lot of like jargon that I didn't understand. You know, I didn't know the meaning of, I was like having to have a dictionary beside me. And so, <laughs> and not to say that that's just a female thing, but it was just the fact that like, I didn't go to business school. That's not what I, you know, planned on doing. And so the idea of trying to figure out how to run a business, it's difficult. And so having anything in it, and I think it helps too. You know, I met with a like financial advisor one time who was a female and I told her, I was like, uh, it's easier for me to sit down and have a conversation with you because I can relate to you way more than mm -hmm. I can, you know, a 60 year old man who's been doing this for 40 years, you know? Absolutely. So I think it's much needed in, the, in our industry just to have women that can help women. And I think it makes it much more approachable for a woman to come and say, okay, I need help with this. Can you help me? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I definitely think that the jargon issue is prevalent in the financial industry. Um, I, I could get on a little soapbox about whether I think they do that on purpose. Um, but you know, I, I, some of it I think is just, you get used to, I think we all have that no matter what industry you work in, everybody has their own language that they use and it can be easy to forget that not everybody kind of knows the insider terms. Um, but when you're dealing with something like financial information, that's so important to a person or to a business owner, 
you don't want them to feel overwhelmed. You want them to feel confident and in their ability to at least understand it, even if they're not going to become an expert in it. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned that two of the things that I'll focus on are profitability and value. So can you kind of walk us through like what those are and how they relate to each other? Yeah. So when I talk about, when I talk about profitability, um, I'm looking at a couple of different things. And I know there are terms that, that a lot of different, I shouldn't say a lot of different people will hear. There's two primary things that when you hear the word profit, you might think of. One is gross profit and one is net profit. And depending upon the type of business that you have, you may have gross profit. You may not really have that. Um, gross profit is often... Um, is typically used when somebody has a product-based business and you have revenue minus whatever it takes you to produce that product. That's gross profit. Okay. If you have a service business, a lot of times you just have revenue minus expenses, net profit. Um, and the, the, one of the things that happens with a lot of business owners is that they want to minimize taxes. So, you can minimize your taxes by maximizing your expenses. Okay. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if your primary goal is to minimize your taxes. What we run into with some of our business owners when they have been following that methodology and then they decide that they want to grow and maybe they need to get a loan to be able to grow or um, they want to actually exit and sell their business or they want to invite investors in. I mean, there's all sorts of different things, but ultimately what it comes down to is that they're seeking some sort of outside capital. Whoever is on the other side of that transaction wants to make sure that you can pay them. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you don't, aren't showing profit, that's called into question. Right. So that's one of the big reasons that, I like business owners to at least understand the decisions that they're making around minimizing their profit so they can minimize their taxes or not, as the case may be, um, just so they have options. It, it's, you know, if you make those decisions for two or three years and then decide that you want to go a different route, you can't really change that. Right. Um, and so then you're sort of stuck where you are or you have to accept something that's less than ideal um, for what you want to achieve. Profitability then is also the key component of business value. So um, if you are out there in the financial world at all, um, one of the things that you'll hear is a company sold for three times earnings or five times EBITDA, or one times revenue. And that the one times, three times, five times, um, that is just a multiplier. And what they're multiplying it by is either revenue, which is not very common, um, but it's profit. It's some form of profit. Well, one, three, five times zero is still zero. Right. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So... That's, that's also the other element of it is that if you get to a place where you actually want to consider selling your business or for some other reason need evaluation on it, that's the other part of profitability that's important. 
Okay. Interesting. So then let's talk about value for a second. So the value then is just what your profit is, or is the value of your business more than that? The, so there's, there's two, um, if we think about a math equation when it comes to valuation, this is a very simplistic way to look at it, but there's two inputs. One is your profit. And then the other one is some sort of factor that's relative to the type of business that you're in and your specific company. That factor um, is is a discount rate or, or whatever, but it's made up of what's your industry doing? Um, what sort of risk does your specific company have to it? And then there's the marketplace risk. So, but the risk factors for your company, and I and they're called risk factors in the, in the terminology, but it really comes down to things like, do you have three big customers or do you have 50 customers, right? Do you have any concentration issues that if one of those customers walked away, half of your revenue walks out the door? Yeah. Um, it's, are you the beer and doer of all things? If something happens to you, the value of your company goes to crap, right? So. Um, it, it also looks at, do you have key employees? Uh, if you have employees, you have key employees that potentially cause a risk. Um, do you have a primary salesperson, different elements like that? It, it, it also does look at a little bit, um, but less so do you have systems and processes in place that allow it to be a little bit more turnkey or do you have to have people who are making every single decision every single day? Right. So, so you look at those and you develop a factor that gets multiplied times your profit. Gotcha. Okay. So for most of the people listening, I think we're pretty much the smallest small business. So we're that like micro mm-hmm. business where we're a one man show or you've got maybe an assistant or a studio manager or a small team of people that work with you. And we're saying mm-hmm. like less than five. And yep. so for something for businesses like that, is that hurting us? Cause you mentioned the profitability part or the, the value part being like, if you are unable to perform in your business, then your business kind of falls apart or slows down. So is that a, an, a problem? Like, and if so, how does someone fix that? If we are a one man show, a one man show. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's inherent in the type of business that you have. Right. Okay. And as a result, is it, a riskier proposition than a larger company that has more people that where somebody can step into your shoes. Sure. But it's just one of the factors. It's not the factor. Um, now the other thing is that there are certain mitigation strategies that you can have around that. Right. Um, like, early in my business, cause I only have, I have a team of five people myself. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a small company, but early in my business, I had it set up. So all paths led to me. Right. Every decision had to be made by me. Um, and so, you know, we've done things like have project management software, standardize some of our engagement letters, right? So I don't have to make as many decisions and the team can operate a little bit more independently. So that helps. Plus, look, a lot, the other thing to keep in mind, and this is what I tell all of our clients is the decisions that help your value are the ones that help your own sanity and help your business just run more smoothly. Absolutely. These, yeah. You know, these are not mutually exclusive things. 
Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Yeah, no, that makes sense because, you know, I've had that thought myself of like, I don't necessarily want all roads to lead to me in my business. Like I get that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking that too and thinking like, well, but my business is me. Like, for example, my other business is photography. And Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I'm the photographer and I have couples ask me all the time, you know, will you be the one shooting our wedding or are you going to be the one at our session? And yeah, because it's, it's me, like my brand, I am my brand in a sense. And it's hard to separate yourself from that sometimes. But I think Mm -hmm. in order for your business to grow, you have to be able to balance being, being your brand, but also knowing that not all roads need to lead back to you. Like having those automations in place, having those, those kind of, um, I guess not roadblocks, but just filters that kind of help keep some of the things so that you're not having everything on your plate at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, and it makes it, you know, I, I, and to your point, that's what makes you be able to grow Mm -hmm. to a point that provides you, you know, the income that you want and it keeps you from working, you know, 90 hours a week because you're doing all of the things. Yeah. Well, so speaking of the word growth, I was kind of jotting down some notes as you were talking earlier. And I know that one of the things, and if I'm going to be hundred percent honest here, this is something that I have struggled with and still struggle with is that fear of growth a little bit. Like the idea that, okay, right now, if it's just me and an assistant or me and a VA or something like that, like it, that's easy because I know that I have control and I can manage how things go. Or then there's the idea of like, okay, if it grows, what does that mean? What does that look like? Like, it's kind of that fear of the unknown. And I don't know if you experienced that when you were growing your business and adding team members. Oh yeah. Do you have any you know tips or advice or thoughts on kind of that fear of growth in your business? Um, so first of all, I would say that I think one of the biggest and most challenging steps for a small business owner is hiring people that first person in particular there. And, and, um, even if they're not an actual full-time employee, like suddenly you're responsible for somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that's one of the biggest and most challenging steps to take is, is to first to make the decision. And then now you've got them, what are you going to do with them? And you know, all of the ongoing things that just come with managing people. Um, I, I think that 
the, the growth part of it is scary for people in a couple of ways. Um, one of them is partly what I just described, which is great. Now I'm responsible for more people and things, and now it feels complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. Complicated is a good word. Right. It feels complicated. Um, the, the other side of it is that whether it's for your personal financial situation or your personal goals, you know, in terms of what you want to accomplish, or just because you want to be able to serve more people, um, growth is the antidote to those things. Um, but I will tell you that there's lots of people who suddenly wake up one day and go, yeah, I, I don't like this at all. Like I've built this and I, now I'm in the middle of something that I don't want. Right. Um, so I think you have to be very honest with yourself about if my business were to double, what would I want it to look like? And doing that with as much neutrality as you can, Mm -hmm. instead of getting on the other side of it and being like, well, my business doubled and now I hate it. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, the, this kind of loops us back to profitability. So the first thing that I would do before you just start, I just need to double my revenue is to say, is my existing revenue as efficient as it could be? Right. Or am I, am I doing things and spending on things um, that I don't really need? So I, I think a lot of us when we start, and I see this a lot with every business ever, it doesn't really matter on the size. I call it sort of Frankensteining. So you start out and you're doing a thing and you have an email provider. Let's just say that that's your first thing. Then you add on a project management system. Then you add on a this system. And now you have QuickBooks and now you have Time Tracker. And now, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, I've got like 10 different softwares going. And it's me and a part time assistant. So the first thing that I do is to say, here's your revenue. Are you as profitable as you could be? Because maybe the answer isn't that you need to double your revenue. Maybe the answer is you can increase your revenue by 25% and be more efficient in the rest of your operations and making sure that you've really kind of got that dialed in. I think we all get a little sloppy on some of that stuff. And I also think that all of our um, subscription providers like the fact that we're all a little sloppy about that stuff because, you know, you just, you're, it's just there. Mm-hmm. You forget that you have it. It's your $10 a month gym membership. It's your $25 a month email provider. It's, you know, whatever those things are. Um, so, so that's really the first thing that I would go back and look at is before you decide that you have to grow, are you being as efficient in your profit as possible? The second part of that is if you're going to grow, do it to generate the most profit that you possibly can. So you get the most bang for your buck out of that growth. Um, There's a lot of companies that grow really fast and growth can hide a multitude of sins and bad business decisions. And, you know, as long as that revenue is coming in and it's growing really quickly, you don't notice the other stuff. And if you notice it, you justify it. Sweep it under so, the rug a little bit. Yeah. Sweep it under the rug a little bit. Yep. So, you know, that's not to say that you can't grow quickly and do it smartly, 
But I think sometimes we just get a little sloppy because it's easy to be sloppy and it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that much. I'm still making plenty of money. We still have the profit. We're so much better than last year. I mean, there's so many ways to rationalize um, kind of not paying attention. But I think one of the things that we've learned really recently is that it's very easy for that to sort of catch up with you. Um, and so there's a, you have more flexibility if you don't have all these expenses piled on top of your business and, or if you do, if your revenue changes, whether it grows or whether it declines short term or long term, you have a better idea about what decisions you can make on what stuff you can cut. Yeah. Well, and I, going back to the first thing you said about like the systems and things, one of the things I did a couple months ago is I really sat down and I said, okay, I, because I think a lot of us who are creative entrepreneurs, the ones who have started a business because, you know, like the photography industry or we are artists in some form or fashion. And so the business side doesn't always come as easily. And for me, like I have some friends who are spreadsheet gurus, like they live on spreadsheets. I literally could not stand anything less than a spreadsheet. Like I hate spreadsheets. Like they <laughs> give me anxiety. I, I don't like them, but my husband loves them. And so I told him, I said, I need somebody to hold me accountable sometimes. And so we have this kind of agreement that every couple of months we sit down and we kind of do like an audit of my business of what am I spending and, and does it make sense? And so I said, I listed out all of the subscriptions I have, all of the programs I work with. And he went through and he asked me, well, why do you need this one? And what is it doing for your business? You're spending $20 a month on this, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's, it adds up. Mm -hmm. Is it really necessary or is there a better way we could do this? And if you are listening to this and you're thinking, well, I'm not doing that. I need someone to hold me accountable. Find somebody, even if it's someone who is another business friend of yours, I think that enjoys spreadsheets, have a coffee once a month where y'all sit down and and you go over each other's, you know, kind of expenses in that way, because it's easy to go through the motions and be like, Oh, I'll deal with it later. And then the next thing you know, a year or two has gone by Mm -hmm. and money's going out the door that you don't even really realize you're spending sometimes. So that's a really good tip is to kind of do like a little self audit of what your systems are. Well, and to your point, it doesn't have to be complicated and take three days and that in and of itself, I mean, that sounds overwhelming to me and I do this for a living. Um, right. So it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be complicated. And I think it helps to have somebody, you know, sort of on the other side of the table. I I don't care who they are. It could be your husband. It could be your best friend. As long as they can ask an intelligent question about, okay, why do you need this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And understand your answer. I, I think that works great. And once you do it, the first, like it'll probably, it'll still feel a little intimidating the first time. Um, but if you do it routinely, then you'll get in the, the swing of it and, and you won't have as much stuff to clean up. I mean, yeah. you know, it's kind of like picking up around your house as you go. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, yeah. I like that analogy. So talking about kind of profitability for a second, Another thing I think people have a little bit of anxiety and fear around sometimes and they don't always want to admit it, but is the fear of making money, the fear of having more money in their Mm -hmm. business, which requires more responsibility or more, you know, either hiring people or having new systems in place. So do you have any advice for kind of that fear of growth when it comes to financial growth? 
Sure. So I, I think that, you know, the, the way that I look at it is the, the, you don't really have to decide what to do with that until it gets there. Um, but one way to deal with it is to say, and, and let's just say that last year you had a profit of $10,000 in your business. And you want to grow, and this year you want to have a profit of $25,000 in your business. So if that's your goal, the first thing that you can say is, okay, if I have a profit of $25,000, I'm going to take $5,000 of that and invest it in new equipment. I'm going to take $5,000 of that, and I'm going to set it over here as a reserve fund. I'm going to take $5,000 of that and I'm going to put that in a new advertising fund and we'll, you know, whatever, redo our website, whatever you want to do with that. That $15,000 is the difference between last year and this year. So I think if you sit down and say, here's what I would do with the excess profit. And look, I don't care. You could say, I'm going to give myself a $15,000 bonus. <laughs> Right. It could be anything that you want it to be. It doesn't have to be reinvested in the business. But I think the important part is once you have a plan for the growth, when it shows up, you already know what you're going to do with it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one -on -one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one -on -one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one -on -one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, because I do think, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to that, and I'm throwing myself in there too. Like I've had this conversation with myself and other people is we have these big ideas and we have these big goals and we have these visions of what we want in our business, but then there's something like we, we tend to kind of get in our own way mm -hmm. and the idea of, okay, well, what if it gets too big, too fast? 
Or what if it gets to the point where I no longer have feel in control of it because it's kind of taking on its own thing. And I think too, the other one is the hiring people. You know, I, I have a lot of business friends that are in that position of like, I need to hire somebody to help me. But then there's that fear of letting go of control a little bit. You know, like you mentioned, you hire, you have a team of five now. And so you have to be willing to hand over some of that control, which again, is part of that fear of growth. You know, it's just, yep. there's, there's a lot that comes in with it, not just financially, but as far as like making sure you can trust the people that you bring into your business. And it's scary sometimes. It, it is. It, it is, And there's definitely elements to it. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that we haven't, I, I, there's a couple of things. Number one is I think that when we all started our businesses, we really identified and are proud of the fact that we're bootstrapping it and that we're scrappy and we're making it work. And you feel like you're going to let go of that identity a little bit if you have to become the super responsible business owner and you have all these people, we're all these people working for you, right? That's a different view of yourself as a business owner than when you're the solo entrepreneur. Right. Um, and, and there's a perception that if you're a solo entrepreneur, you are a lot more adaptable and flexible than if you're over here with five people working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily true. Your role changes, um, but you're, but the business itself can still be just as adaptable and flexible. Um, the other thing that I think is, is true is that the perception that you're giving up control is not, you're not giving up as much control as you think you are. So I've worked with business, business owners who are like, Oh, but if I hire these people, they're going to come in and take all of my customers. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, these people don't want their own business. Yeah. That's why they're coming to work for you. That's why they're coming to work for you. Yeah. Now, if you feel if the, and so there's two sides to that one, you can legally protect yourself through non-solicitation and non-compete agreements. And yes, I know there'll be, I'm not an attorney and I know that those don't always work, but at least it puts it on the table to start with. Um, and then the second thing is, is that if you really find that you're that distrusting of a person or the idea of having people work for you that's probably an opportunity for you to do a little work on yourself. Um, Everybody has a horror story that they have either experienced themselves or know someone who has. Yeah. Um, But there's all kinds of people who have people working for them who've never had a problem. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's just, there's so many fear. It's it's fear of the unknown. I think a lot of times it really is. People just don't Mm -hmm. know what they're, getting into you. Cause when you are starting out, you're thinking, okay, this is me and I'm, I am, I'm going to bootstrap it. I'm going to make all these things happen. And then you start to see kind of that snowball taking place and it starts rolling and starts going. You're like, okay, well, dang it. Now I don't know really what, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what my business looks like in this new landscape. And it's, it's scary, but it's also, it's not a bad thing. I think people, right get paralyzed by that fear of growth sometimes and don't allow them to themselves to, they make themselves small. They continue to keep Mm -hmm. themselves small when they have the potential to be so much bigger than they are. 
And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, we're talking to people that had a lot of guts to go start their business in the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, these are the folks that are risk takers and, and don't have a lot of fear. And yet I do think that we all reach a point in our business where we are scared of the unknown and that by moving forward on a growth path, we're somehow completely giving up all of the things that we've accomplished in the past. Yeah. And, and that's generally not the way that it works. You're generally building on what you've already done. Yeah. Okay. So one of my last questions for you is, and I ask this a lot is, so if you had a friend that came to you today and said, okay, Jennifer, I'm thinking about starting a business or I've just started this business and I need to figure out what to do. What would be your number one piece of advice you would give to that friend? So I, I, oh, wow. So my, (laughs) my number one piece of advice, because it is now this comes purely from the place of what I have struggled with the most. Okay. So, and I think this probably applies to a lot of the people that are listening, right? We started businesses where we know how to do the thing, mm-hmm. what, whatever the thing is, right? For me, it's financial related. For you, it's photography. Um, it could be baking pies. It could be any of that. And it's a classic thing that comes out. If anybody's ever read the E-Myth, it's one of the big elements of that. I think you have to be very careful about starting a business around your expertise. Okay. Um, Because it puts you in a position of being the person who's delivering it. And it's hard to get out of that. So that's the, that's the biggest thing just to know is if I start a business where I'm the expert and I'm the one who is always having to deliver it, you've really created a job for yourself and there is nothing wrong with being self-employed, but know that that's what you're doing. Right. Um, and that if your goal is to, if your goal is to be self-employed and potentially stair step it, but you're not at the, you're just not ready to make that decision yet. That's great. If your goal is to actually have a company then I think you need to look at it with a little stronger lens and say, my goal is to have a company and I build it around me and my expertise. What potential limitations does that create for this? Yeah. I think that, you know, I've never really thought of it that way, but that's such an interesting perspective because it's, it's really, it's true. And I think about like my photography business. So you know, I feel like my photography business is fairly limited in what my growth potential can be as far as I am primarily based in one location. You know, I'm not going to go travel the globe. I mean, that sounds great and all, but that's not my plan. You know, it's just me. I don't have a team of photographers that I have trained. I don't have a team of photographers that are like associates or anything like that. It's just me. And so there's only so much I can do to grow my business. Mm-hmm. But then I think about like the lady I go to, to that does my hair. So she's a great hair. So she's a great, um, hairdresser, but what she started out early on, she was like, I don't want to just be somebody who cuts and colors hair. So she now owns a salon of her own and she has other hairdressers and she wants mm-hmm. to open another one. You know, she's like, I have bigger plans beyond just what I physically could do with my hands and my scissors, you know? And yep. I've never really, I mean, I've, I've looked at it that way a little bit as just as far as 
you know, her story to other people I know that have like these bigger plans, but that's a really great perspective of if you build something around a job for yourself, you can only go so far. Right. That's, that's really, okay. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, sure. Putting that in perspective. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us and share your expertise. So let us know where they can find you and follow up with you. Sure. So website wise, it's peak P E E K advisory.com. Um, you can go there and if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find a quiz in the middle. It's free. Um, and it, it just gives you some insights on the value elements. Um, it doesn't give you a value for your business. It's not a mathematical calculation. So don't worry about it. It's only like, I think seven questions. And, um, depending upon your results, you get, you know, there's a 19 page report that comes with it. That'll tell you some of the next things you can focus on some action steps to take. So, um, so you can find it there. And then I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, all of the normal suspects. Awesome. And I'm going to add all those links to the show notes. People can just scroll down and click the little button. I love the quiz idea. So I'll definitely have people go taking that quiz and trying to figure all that out. So thank you yep. so much for sharing your expertise. We greatly appreciate it. I hope to have you on again soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on and chatting with me today. This was definitely one of those episodes where I needed to go back and listen to it again because I felt like there was a lot of really good information. And typically when I am interviewing with a guest, I do have a notepad out and I'm jotting down some ideas or some notes, but I also want to be engaged and following along in the conversation. So I like to go back when I'm editing these episodes and really take it in, really get a chance to like jot down ideas and take notes and come up with plans for things and put into action the things that they are talking about. And this was definitely one of those episodes where I could do that. I could go back and listen to it again. So if you're listening to this as you're driving or you're at the gym, feel free to go back and listen when you're at home and you can write down some ideas and notes. Make sure you follow Jennifer on social media and head over to the link to take her quiz. Don't forget to check out all of her offerings over on her website as well. And last but not least, make sure you check out the Girl Means Business Business Builders Membership Program. It is open and ready for enrollment. I think you're going to really enjoy all the content and I've got some fun things coming up planned for that program in the upcoming months that you're definitely going to want to be a part of. So head over to girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business builders and get signed up today. All right, guys, that does it for our show this week. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you back here next week, same time, same place. Mm -hmm.